Hey guys, and welcome to episode 36 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Here we go. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. So guys, welcome to episode 36 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Hope you're all well. Hope you're all good. Hope you're enjoying this well, autumnal weather. Um, blue skies and crisp days are lovely. The uh, grey gray skies and rain, not so much. But, you know, we got to go with it. So, as always, guys, hope you've all been um, enjoying the, the, the content we've been putting out. Uh, have a look at uh, everything that's over at www.reviveyourself.co. Lots of articles there, and I've got a free four-day mini course there for anyone who's got a chronic issue. Point them in that direction, as always. Um, been having some really good interviews, the ones with Dax and Dr. Richard Hansler in particular. And today, we've got Anne Margolis from www.homesweethomebirth.com talking all about, obviously birth and giving birth and giving birth holistically so and her backstory she's going to go into it um on the show but she deals with i mean she's got a community of over seventy thousand women she's dealing with teaching people how to make birth a less traumatic traumatic experience because these days women they, they, they talk about birth it's a very fearful event for them always about getting the oxygen and medication having drugs making sure they're at hospital and to be honest with you traditionally it, it was never like this and it hasn't got to be this way um and in fact if you see any any, any animal give birth, give birth in the wild they're on their own and back in the day in the tribes people used to go with their mum and they give birth and it's something that we touch on so there's a lot that we go into with them and this is just a pre um, this is like the pre-episode because we're setting the scene here. We're going to get Anne back on the show a bit later on to talk about, we're going to, in, into more depth into certain issues, especially when it comes to par, um, postpartum um, de- depression and recovery, uh, recovery and recovery. Um, 80% of women go through um, go through depression after having uh, had the baby blues. So we're going to go into that. We'll be going into... Um, and lots of different ways to have birth naturally and without pain uh, and we touch on lots of different subjects as well as vibrational healing but in this episode we're, we're going to set the scene to get and let let, you t- let Anne tell you her backstory and go into how she got into what she, into what she's doing now and how she's helping uh, thousands and thousands of women all over the world so without further ado here is Anne enjoy the episode and I'll see you on the other side Hey guys, and welcome to episode 36 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Today we have Anne Margolis. I'm saying that right, Anne, is that correct? Yeah. Perfect. Um, so, Anne, from New York, or upstate New York, down, downtown New York, where are you from? I, well, I'm from uh, Philadelphia, which is about a few hours from here south, but I, I've raised my family in um it's kind of northwest of the city right. about about uh, yeah i can get without traffic i can get there in an hour perfect and how is it today over there it's a beautiful fall day yeah it's <laughs> one of my favorite yeah. times of the year fall, fall and spring are two of my favorite times oh really okay yeah, yeah. i like i like fall spring and summer in new york um actually i was over in new york last uh, December, January time, but over New Year's because my ex-girlfriend, her, her, parent, her father lives out there. And to be honest oh, with you, it was, nice. it was cold, but it wasn't as cold as I thought it was going to be. Okay. Yeah, it's not, it's right. not, I mean, when I hear about it, it I, thought it was, I thought it was going to be minus 20, minus 30, but it was only about minus 5, minus 10. Um, yeah. So it, it wasn't Chicago cold, which I was happy about. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe because you're also used to the cold, because you're a little. It's probably colder in in England where you are, right, than it gets here. I don't. Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Uh, yeah, no. I think, I don't... I think New, York's, New York gets pretty cold. So it does. Well, too cold for me. So that's why I like to migrate yeah. south when it gets 
<laughs> yeah, in, in fact, January, February. Yeah, the last day we were there, in fact, we had like eight inches of snow in about three hours. So that, I know that it can get real bad over there. But um, oh, we can we can get a foot, two feet. Yeah, two feet is what would they would consider like a national disaster. I mean, a state of emergency. But yeah. yeah, we can get easily a foot easily, and then it goes on top of each other. You know, so then again, if it snows again, then it's more and more. But it's I think it's the cold and the wind and and just being indoors a lot that yeah. I you know I, I'm a very active i love outdoors i love sun i love warm i love the ocean i love swimming so you know that's why i like well (laughs) yeah yeah my my whole family said that would be lovely if i could get everyone to you know right move to costa rica or hawaii or something (laughs) yeah or just uh, the west coast the west coast yeah yeah i've been working on it for 30 years so it's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, um, guys, Anne, Anne it has her, her website at www.homesweethomebirth.com And um, as she first came across Anne on social media quite a few years back I tried to interview her before, but I've only just got her on the show now But what, what Anne does is, well, obviously Home Sweet Home Birth sort of explains itself All about getting women to almost enjoy, enjoy the birthing process Rather than it being what has become now is quite a fearful practice um, So... And just for the audience out there, can you just tell them how you got into what you do and what started your journey into home birthing and natural birthing? Yes. Well, and I also just wanted to clarify, like my 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 title of my website is Home Sweet Home Birth, but I I um, promote what I'm very passionate about promoting that model of care in the hospital, in the birthing center, in the home, or even in the operating room. It's a, it's a certain model of care that I'll talk about you know, that, that brings the power back to the woman and her family that restores humanity and celebration to the process, you know, but how I got into it. So, um, back in the day, like when I, when I was in, in college and I was in nursing school and I did my obstetric rotation, I, I, that's when I realized I wanted to be working with moms and babies and their families. Um, I learned a lot about natural birth in college and I got very excited about it. And um, when I landed my first job out of nursing school, first we um, in the United States, or at least in, in the when I was practicing as a nurse, you have to do a year of medicine and surgery, uh, nursing before you go into obstetrics. So I, I did my time, <laughs> and then and then I went into uh, being an obstetric nurse. And, and I worked in the hospital for, for uh, several years, and it was there that I developed an extreme fear <laughs> of, 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 of birth. And um, it, it, that was partly because birth was considered on the unit where I worked, and, and I now know that this is very common in many hospitals in this country and around the world where birth is considered like a disaster waiting to happen, a law, a, like a potential lawsuit, a yeah. crisis could happen any minute. And so it, it was, it was, um, it was a scary and, and there was like, it was like this emergency scene all the time. It felt like, and, and I wasn't seeing natural birth actually. Mm-hmm. And as a nurse, I was having to rescue a lot of the problems that were caused by the interventions that were just done routinely to any woman walking into the hospital. And um, I was seeing bad outcomes that were, you know, I have, I'm very sensitive, you know, so when I see a mother or baby die I, or, or be very ill or damaged by, by the birthing process, I carry that in my heart and it takes me a while to get over it, you know? And um, I, I was seeing more like, um, I was assisting at way more cesarean sections than I ever thought would be happening. Um, it felt like there were have I was I was at in this in the operating room more than I was in the the delivery room. Uh, so um, of course, then when I got pregnant, I was I was young when I had my first baby. I was twenty four, but um, I had I was already scared. And, um, you know, from all the work that I've done, you know, fear is kind of like the enemy. Inner stress is really causing a lot of problems in the world of health, right? But it's certainly the enemy of labor. And um, so, you know, and I kept telling the doctor, you know, like, I, he, 
he was a colleague of mine. He worked on the unit where I was and I kept telling him I'm scared. And he's like, don't worry. You know, it was, it, it kept just saying, don't worry. And you know, our appointments were five minutes and, but I was worried. And, and my biggest fear was having a cesarean and, you know, dying or having a damaged baby because I saw that. Right. You know, and, um, um, so when I went into labor, I was already, you know, and I'd taken Lamaze, but it's still, you know, I, I, it didn't address my fear. And so when I, when I went into the labor and delivery unit, so the first thing, first of all, I was treated royally because one of the staff members is having a baby, right? So they thought they were giving me the royal treatment and actually they meant well. And they were giving me the royal treatment, but the royal treatment was still the standard treatment that happens to every woman that walks in the hospital. So number one, my clothes—I had to take my clothes off and put on a hospital gown, which creates dependence. It it disempowers you. You know, I know that now. It makes you feel like you're sick, and that they're going to do everything to take care of me. I think like, so. The whole, the whole just going to hospital—I mean, people just equate that with being sick anyway, don't they? You know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, but, but like now, like I, if someone is going to birth in the hospital, uh, you know, I'm not alone in encouraging women to wear their own clothes, okay. but that, but I didn't know that then. Right. So, yeah. so I guess I had all the standards. So I was, you know, hospital gown told not to eat or drink. Have you ever run the marathon or, or done anything like a huge athletic event and, and, and fast, you know? Yeah. So so like, like, like labor is a big deal for the body. The body's working very hard and, and I'm told not to drink or, or, or eat mm-hmm. nourishment. So that's, that's problem number two, but I didn't know that at the time. Um, the, the, then I'm put in bed. So I'm put in bed and attached to an IV to give fluids at least. But, um, the in bed kind of goes counter to labor. Now that I'm a midwife, I know that, that my, you know, when women are in labor, naturally they assume an upward position because we need gravity. The body knows what's more comfortable and the body knows, you know, that we need gravity. It's like the wisdom of the process, right? We need gravity and we need the mother to be changing positions so the baby can navigate its way down, you know, uh, his or her way down. And if you see any animal, they give birth standing up, correct? Most of them? Absolutely. absolutely. But, you know, I was was just 24 and a scared nurse right now. Of course, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get into that. But, you know, so take, you know, no animal would give birth uh, on their back scared. If it, like meaning if a deer is, is a, if a deer is aware that there's a lion around or a tiger, that deer will stop labor and, you know, run and, and get to safety. And, you know, cats are always going to a private place. I mean, all animals. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's fascinating to study animals uh, and the way they birth. But, um, yeah, so um, the, the so the, when I was put down on my back and and you know they were monitoring every heartbeat of my baby, every con- every contraction, and I had to stay still because every time I moved, they couldn't read the monitor. So um, of course I wasn't. Di- I had to be dilating. I had to be opening. Uh, a, I was on a time clock. I had to be opening a centimeter an hour to full 10 centimeters of my, you know, the womb opens mm-hmm. to full 10 centimeters. But, um, I wasn't labor, you know, I, a, a fear, a, a scared woman who is not being nourished and is on the back. It, you know, it's like, it's, it's almost nearly impossible. I mean, it's, it's, it's fighting against all the odds to be able to labor well in that situation. It just goes against everything that sort of, sort of like common sense and even nature, you know, it's just like, they want well, things to be yeah. done by a clock. It's all, it's like, it's just, it's just mad, madness. It's madness, but it's happening all you know all over the country. Yeah, not necessarily. You know, the UK is a is a wonderful example of midwifery care. But anyway, um, so so the doctor kept coming in and sticking his hand up me without even telling me he was giving me an exam. And he just kept, he kept, he said he walked out the room and he said to my colleague nurse, he said she's still four, she's still four, she's still four. And so I heard him at once at one point say, "Hang pit." which is, we call it, you know, it's the, the synthetic oxytocin, which is the, the medication that, I was a nurse, I knew what pit meant, pitocin, it's the medication that causes the uterus to contract much more um, 
unnaturally more, you know, intense, more frequently, more, 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 uh, longer. Uh, 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 right. So I knew that I did not want that, but you know, the nurse comes in and she starts putting it in the IV and I told her I didn't want it. She says, Oh, but honey, you don't want a cesarean. So no, you know, like I was vulnerable at that point. I'm like, no, I don't want a cesarean. Right. So I was kind of feared into having the Pitocin. And of course, once that happened, then the whole cascade of events for, uh, so happened, which was I, my Lamaze went out the window. I wasn't able to cope with, you know, being still and having way more intense, longer um, uh, contractions. And then um, they gave me an epidural. And when they gave me an epidural, which is a shot in the back and, and around the fluid around the spinal cord to numb me from the waist down, that's when the baby's heart rate went down very dangerously low. And they called an emergency cesarean operation. And, and that's when it became a crisis. Everyone was really, I could see it in everybody's eyes. They were scared. I was scared because now my biggest fear was happening. And, you know, they whisked, there was like tons of people and they were whisking me away into the operating room, preparing me in a rush, you know, because when there's such an emergency, when my baby's heart rate was so dangerously low, you got to get that baby out in 10 minutes, you know, basically 10, 15 minutes. I mean, you really don't have time. And so they put me in the operating room and did all that and then left. And then I... I was worried because I was alone. They didn't let my husband in and, and I was looking at the clock and I was seeing it was 15 minutes and then it was a half an hour and then it was 45 minutes. And then I, in that time I was convinced my baby was damaged. And then by an hour I was convinced she was dead. And the, the, the um, they were waiting for the assistant surgeon to come. Now, the, a miracle happened. The epidural that numbed my body from the waist down um, made me dilate completely. And then I started pushing after, you know, after about an hour. And I started calling out for help. And the doctor comes running in and he sees that I'm pushing. So then he has to redo a plan. Okay. He started screaming out, get me the vacuum, which is like the baby uh, suction, which they vacuum her out. They vacuumed the baby out. They put a suction on the baby's head. He cut a big episiotomy um, and and vacuumed her out. And she was pink and she had a, a fine heartbeat. They didn't even have to do any resuscitation. She was breathing. She was totally physically fine. I was not fine. And now I know what that is. That's called birth trauma. You know, when, when something, when you're afraid someone close to you or you is going to have, you know, some, uh, you know, death or, or a very significant injury, you know, a normal response to that is a trauma is, you know, that is a fight or flight response that, and, 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 and that has symptoms. So I was not, I was not right at all. I, I was afraid to look at her. You know, I was, you know, I was having nightmares about the experience. I, I was afraid to go back to work, you know, to, to, um, to face the whole unit again. I was, you know, I had, I had symptoms of trauma. I was re-experiencing the experience all the time. Um, I didn't want to talk about anything that reminded me of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, you know, I had the classic symptoms of, 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 a, of, of trauma, but nobody, nobody knew what it was then. So they was like, what are you, what's the, you know, what are you, what are you so upset about? You had a healthy baby, you know, and which is the worst thing to say when someone has trauma. But anyway, you know, I, I got over it and, um, uh, as best as I could. And, and, um, I went back to work and I'm still, you know, frustrated, let's say by what I'm seeing, the same kind of things that I was, um, you know, explaining and uh, to you. And then, and then I, but I told my husband, I don't want to have any more children. I'm done. <laughs> and he wants six, right? I'm like, well, yeah, you know, and, and, um, so of course, two, two and a half years later, I am pregnant again. And, um, and I'm still working as a nurse on this unit. And I was even more scared. I was having panic attacks and, you know, it was, it was, it was not a fun pregnancy. And, um, I went to, uh, labor and, and I had very similar experience. Um, I had a different doctor and when I was in labor with my second, 
he he wa- examined me and he walked out again. Same thing. A different doctor didn't talk to me. I'm his colleague. He walked out and he told the nurse, prep the OR because her baby is too high and posterior. It's never going to come down. And now I had a voice. You know, I, I, I was a bit more experienced and I was a bit older. And I called him back and I said, I don't want a cesarean. And I want you to do whatever you need to do to turn my baby and get her down. You know, that's, that's basically what I told him. He says, well, uh, it's going to be agony. I mean, you know, or, or you know, he was really discouraging and I don't even think it's going to work. I said, I want you to turn my baby. Now, as a midwife, I would never tell a woman that. I would say, oh, we have plenty of babies that are high and posterior. Let's get up and walk around and let's get on your hands and knees. Or, you know, there's certain things that we can do to get your baby to come down and, and, and turn into a position, you know. But, but he just gave up on me before even giving me a chance. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, he did, uh, you know, stick his hands all the way up into my uterus and rotated her manually. And, and you know, because I said I gave birth before. My body did it. So, like, I, I know I can do it. But So I did give birth. But, but um, it was, I remember after that experience, I was talking to a friend of mine about my frustrations, about, you know, how I love helping moms and babies and their families about my two births, but my hands are tied as a nurse. I don't know what to do. And she was in midwifery school. She said, you need to become a midwife. Now, this was, um, we didn't have internet back then. And I'm like, what's the midwife? <laughs> I really, you know, now midwives have been around for thousands of years and, and, and basically have been catching babies. There's, you know, all over the world for thousands of years, but I had not heard of one. And I didn't even know there was such, you know, an option. And, it, you know, in, in the United States, you become, it's a master's degree training. So I know in the UK, you just go right into midwifery school where, in New York, you have to have um, a, a bachelor, a four-year degree in nursing, and then you go to a master's, you know, graduate degree in midwifery. Well, I researched, I went to the library, and I researched everything I could, and I knew I had to apply. And when I applied and I got in and I started, I actually, I'm telling you, I came home. I came home. And the philosophy in midwifery is that women's bodies know how to grow, birth, and breastfeed a baby like our hearts know how to pump and our lungs know how to breathe. It is a normal process. It is a sacred process. It is a process that has been in community, in celebration all over the world, and that we need to look at birth as normal until proven otherwise, just as we need to look at a healthy person as having a normal heart and lungs until they have a heart disease or or a lung, you know, or or, or asthma, right, or a lung disease, we, we treat them as healthy. We don't stick and pro, you know, prod and interfere with their breathing and their heart beating, right? We, we let it happen. So that's the, that's the, the, the space of, of which um, I was approaching birth. And it was a total reorientation to the process. And, and yes, we have to be skilled at assessing, um, you know, and making sure that the process is still healthy. And we have to we have to know how to intervene. But sometimes, you know, when there's a problem, but intervention doesn't necessarily mean medicine and surgery. It could mean, you know what, let's get in the tub. Let's dance. Let's take a walk. You need to eat more. You need to drink more. Maybe you need privacy. Maybe you need that. You know, it doesn't have to be. um, So what I learned then that obstetricians. And this is how it is in the UK, you know, in Holland, in, in the UK, in, in Sweden, in a lot of the countries that have way far better outcome statistics than the United States. The United States ranks uh, among the bottom in terms of maternal mortality and morbidity and neonatal mortality and morbidity, meaning we're losing, to, we're losing more babies and mothers or having serious illness around pregnancy and birth than most other modern industrialized countries in the world, despite having among the highest rates of, of medical and surgical intervention, right? So what's working? And, and so Dr. Marsden Wagner, who was, um, and also Michelle O'Donnell, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's, he was the, he's the famous, renowned French obstetrician who overturned his unit, and he's now doing home births in England. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's very, 
he's very outspoken in, in, in the birthing community and, 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 um, and other obstetricians are as well. But what I was learning in, in midwifery was to, um, create the space and, and, and give the power back to the woman and create the space for the process to occur. So at a, at a, so, so what became, um, a, a surgery and, and medical intervention and the crises, let's say that I became way more the exception than the rule. Okay. And, and so, so when you have the obstetrician and midwife working together in their expertise, then you have ex- excellent outcomes. So for example, an obstetrician is a surgeon. He's, he, he is a, he specializes in detecting complications and diseases using all these fancy equipment and, you know, technology to do so and treating it medically or surgically. So if you go to somebody like that, you know, in Sweden, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's someone who is considered, let's say high risk has insulin dependent diabetes or a seizure disorder or something, you know, um, you know, triplets, you know, so, or the, um, that's using the doctor for his expertise, you know, and, and leaving the vast majority of healthy women to see midwives. And then you have a balance, uh, uh, the excellent outcome that we're seeing in the country's where, where that's happening. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and I've heard Michelle O'Don, and I love this. Like I was at a midwifery concert, uh, big midwifery conference where there was a, a, hundreds of seasoned midwives in the room and an obstetrician, Dr. Michelle O'Don is speaking and he says, what is the, mo- what is the most important intervention that a midwife can do at a birth? And seasoned midwives who had caught thousands of babies were all raising their hands and everybody was wrong. What, what would you think he said? Just, no, just no, no intervention. Yeah. yeah. E- even, even, even worse. I mean, or even better yeah. to knit, to knit, K N I T. Why? <laughs> because you have a seasoned, you have a very experienced wise midwife exuding calm. She's knitting. Her hands are occupied. So they don't need to meddle in something when it's working, but her eyes are wide open. Her ears are wide open. She can talk to the woman and give her the love and encouragement she needs to remind her of her power and her strength when she doubts it. And her heart is wide open. And yeah. And, and so when a woman is sensing this calm, and this love and this empowerment. Yeah. Yeah. And this is coming from an obstetrician and sure she knows how to put the the knitting down if she needs to deal with a problem or an emergency, you know, we're trained in that, but the vast majority of times we, 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 you know, it works. And, and then the woman, I'm in awe. I'm in awe of how little we need, how if any, you know, basically we really don't have to do anything. I mean, other than, you know, be the lifeguard in the background well, and is, the coach creating well, that yeah. space. This is the thing, Anne, right? Because a lot of people think they turned into a, into, I mean, even over here, I know you said we got good, it's, it's good over here, midwifery, and it is, but, but when we're in, um, uh, my friends who have been pregnant and, and, and family members or whatever it is, they're, it's all, they're all very worried and, and they're always thinking, I'm getting the oxygen or the drugs and et cetera. And, and it, and it, it's become a, it, it's become quite a frightening, um, thing for them. I mean, first of all, just quickly, you said that you've had a C-section the first time, and most people don't. No, no, I didn't. I didn't have a C-section. I, I barely. The first time, didn't you? No, oh, I barely. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I, I gave birth vaginally with a vacuum. They, they, I, they, I narrowly missed it. I, I gave birth oh, okay, in the brilliant. operating room. Brilliant. The second, my, 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 my baby three and four were with the midwife. Okay, the, the, awesome. the, yeah. Well, no, because yeah. a lot of people don't really realize oh, it's okay to have a C-section, but what women don't realize is. That that the baby's first introduction to like, life-giving probiotics is through the vaginal canal, and it's very very important in terms of in terms of health in long term. Oh yeah. Um, and then, as you said before, we get we get into it. And I'm sure uh, having that karma back in, in tribal cultures, etc., the midwife was was the mother, right? They'd, they'd go in and 
the, the, with um, a woman yeah yeah would go in and then give birth and it would be and it wasn't wasn't like something that oh my god the, the give her the oxygen and pump her full of drugs and everyone come around and it would be a big no it was part it, of life it's part of life right it was just it was just yeah. part of life and the mum going there and the thing is a lot of people when people talk about home births they're worried about all the things that could go wrong but i just wanted to say because over here in 2015 only 2.3% of people had a home birth but in 2011, there was a study that looked at um, adverse outcomes of babies, so death, serious injury, and illness. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the study the study compared um, women having a hospital birth to those planning to have a hospital um, to a hospital birth to those planning to have a home birth. Um, and the home birth showed a lower risk of having a cesarean section. Oh, absolutely! A lower risk of assisted delivery, i.e., using forceps, etc. Um, less risk of hemorrhage. Uh, more likely to have a normal birth, um, and it also uh, results showed that eighty-eight percent of um, planned home births were normal births, compared to fewer than sixty percent of planned um, births at a hospital. Um, and you know, women been far more relaxed environment, as you said before, around their home, somewhere every day, with people that they feel comfortable with. I mean, that's huge, right? And uh, I just wanted to ask you. There's multiple, multiple studies. The research, there's multiple studies that back this. So much so. Do you know, are you familiar with the organization that, that one of your health care regulators, called NICE, the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence? Mm-hmm. Yep. You familiar? Yep. Are you familiar with them? Yep. Yeah. Nice. This. Yeah, they they came out with a statement based on the evidence um, just a few years ago. It was published all over the United States, um, Wall Street Journal, New York Times. So that based on the evidence, they were urging out of hospital birth with with midwives or midwife led um, birthing centers or midwife led um, hospital uh, units based on based on the evidence. Yeah. They're urging out of hospital birth. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. I mean, I can, I can see why. I mean, it is straight away. It's a. I mean, the, the, most people don't want to go to hospital anyway. It's a place that they that they they see with like illness or death, and uh, and the whole medical thing makes it. It takes something that's, in my opinion, something that's very natural, very beautiful, very could be calming. It's very. It's you no. Know, it's it's one of those things they make it build it up into something that people are fearing. So, one of the things I, people I wanted to ask was, um, people who if you say to them I have a home birth, oh no, I don't want to. Don't want to do that in case anything goes wrong. For example, I mean, what are usually the most? What are women usually most scared of when it comes to home birthing? Is it maybe the baby, baby needing medical care? Maybe being bleeding? Would it be born upside down or stillborn? Or, or when is it not advised? And I've asked quite a few questions. Well, right, yeah. So home birth is not for everyone. I mean, you know, so we we do we do uh, screen. You know, it's for the healthy population, right? So all through the prenatal care. And even through the laboring process, we're assessing, you know, we're making sure the woman is still in the healthy, low risk, um, let's say, um, situation, right? Mm -hmm. So what are women, uh, the the common fear, well, common fears uh, I get, women are, first of all, we live in a culture, the modern culture, people are afraid of pain. And they and they just want to numb it, the pain. Yeah. So so I get sometimes women being afraid of pain, and I so I work with women in 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 rephrasing the you know we don't even use the word pain because pain implies something is wrong that some you know that there's a problem right and actually it's 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 the it's the cessations of labor that are that 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 actually ease labor that cause this beautiful balance of hormones that actually helps the mother get into positions that help the baby be born and 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 create this bonding and you know so it it, it the whole thing is is for a reason and you know sometimes we have pain women have pain every month when they have their menstrual cycle and that's a healthy part of living a baby will have pain before a tooth comes there is pain in life right but it's uh, athletes and dancers and you know olympic uh, people in the olympics they're working through a lot of pain and discomfort even though you know someone running the we have the 26 mile marathon here right so so People are run are are not running and feeling comfortable by you know mile fifteen 
to 26, right? You know, there, there are things that are bothering them, but they have a different attitude. The attitude is they're going to do it. The attitude is I can do it. The attitude is I will do it and nothing's wrong with me. You know, it's not the pain of broken leg, for example. That's a different, that's a different thing, you know. So it's a different, you know, I, I help women shift their attitude about, you know, and also the pain or the sensations of labor, you know, come and go like the waves come and go. And there's, and, and, and at, at most it only lasts um, at, in its most intense time. It, you know, it, it lasts a minute or a minute and a half. If you, you, you can do anything for a minute, a minute and a half and it, you know, it rises and it falls, it rises and it falls. So, so even if it's at its most intense point, it's, it's, it's what, 30 seconds. So, so I, I encourage everyone to get a now clock. <laughs> one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. It's every time it says now, 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 right? They sell them on Amazon. Uh-huh. And because everyone, I, I want them to stay present because you, right now, you can do this for a minute, okay? You know, and, and then we'll deal with the next, you know, in five minutes, we'll uh-huh. deal with the next oh, minute, God, right? I'll just see what you're saying. Now, clock, what got you? Yeah. Yeah, there's no one, there's no numbers on it. It just always says now. So, but that's, that's a, one of the fears. Another fear, women are afraid they're not going to be able to handle it. And that, you know, I work with, you know, because I'm, I tell them that billions of women have given birth before them and, they, you know, they handle it. You can handle it, right? You come from generations of women that handled it. And as you're giving birth now, you know, 300,000 women around the world are giving birth and that you are stronger than you realize. And that when you think you can't handle it at the end, that's when you're going to find your strength and you're going to handle it. And then you're going to be so darn proud of yourself. So, so that's, you know, that's, that's one component, kind of the psychological, another component, especially, you know, I say women, if they hear a horror story from somebody, Mm -hmm. so they think it's going to be contagious and it's going to happen to them. So, you know, my friend her, you know, or my sister had this happen and so they think that's going to happen to them. So that I can, you know, I can deal with because whatever happened to them isn't contagious, right? Mm-hmm. So um, another thing is, I, I think the biggest fear a woman has is, let's say, bleeding, hemorrhaging, bleeding, yeah, 100%. hemorrhaging. And um, I tell them I've never lost a mom. I carry the same equipment in, in my bag that an out-of-hospital birthing center would have. You know, I have all the medications and the IVs, you know, I, we don't start with that. You know, I, I'll, I, you know, I, I'm, I work very preventatively and if I see something is, you know, looking a little, you know, this is a little too, you know, uh, bleeding is becoming on the heavier side, you know, there's things we can do naturally before we jump to giving medication. But I've, 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 I've never had a woman die of a hemorrhage. You know, I've had to give IVs. I've had to give medications in, in, in the home and birth center setting. Right. So that's but there you've given them because they're needed, right? You haven't just oh 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 oh, yes absolutely. So I mean, you give them when and if they're needed, like only if they need it. Talk about antibiotics, taking them when it's only take them, yeah, not just taking them for the sake of it. So that's the difference. Um, That that's the huge difference, and and so like holistic care. So I, I I tell women, you know. I'm going to draw from all the holistic effect uh, the modalities that are effective, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes holistic care may need yeah. may mean we need to be used and be great. We need to use and be grateful for medis- medical and surgical intervention when you know when it's needed. But but the fear of the baby, yeah, fear of having a dead or damaged baby. That's that's a fear, yeah. and 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 that's that's around the world. You know that, that you know not all baby. You know, some babies are born with heart defects, right? Some babies are born with Down syndrome. Some babies are, you know, it has nothing to, let's say, nothing necessarily to do with the care that's been given, right? But um, I tell them I'm checking that baby's heart rate. I am monitoring you, making sure you don't have high blood pressure and don't take not on cocaine and heroin and, and you know, and, and do, uh, smoking and, 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 and doing uh, risky behaviors or having risky conditions that could cause your baby to have problems, right, in, yeah. in labor. 
I don't put you on your back, which with the heavy uterus compresses the major blood vessel going to the placenta, which feeds the baby. And, you know, so I'm not giving you drugs that could compromise the baby's heart rate and, you know, uh, have fetal distress. So um, I also, you know, my staff, when we go to the birth, we're trained in newborn resuscitation. So if, if a baby, first of all, I don't cut umbilical cords because umbilical cords is, is, is the way babies get resuscitated. We, uh, I don't know who invented why we have to cut the cord. The, the baby's born immediately. We cut the cord. You're, you're severing one third of the baby's blood supply that backed up in the placenta that needs to get back to the baby, getting blood volume and oxygen so the baby can transition to be an independent breathing human being. Because before in womb, the lungs are collapsed like collapsed balloons that were never blown up. So the baby's not breathing through the lungs. The baby's breathing through the umbilical cord. So as the baby is born and making this transition, it's this huge body. It's amazing what goes on in the body when the baby transitions at when earth side to become to the lungs to expand, expand to the uh, heart to start pumping blood to the lungs. You know, so while that's happening, the baby's getting oxygen and blood volume from the cord. So, so I've had to resuscitate like like a huge significant less, significantly less babies than I've had to in the hospital, just, just at home. But given that sometimes even with all the best monitor monitoring, sometimes in the last, you know, as the baby's coming out, let's say the baby's bones, the head is pressing against uh, the cord that's near the pelvis, you know, know, it, it could be right. So the baby is born and doesn't breathe. So in that situation, while the cord is still pumping, sometimes I do have to breathe for the baby using, you know, the, I have an Ambu bag and we have, you know, we, we have to be trained and, and, um, and recertify in neonatal resuscitation every two years. That's, you, you know, it's not, we're not, People think, oh, home birth, that's reckless. You know, like we're just towels, boiling water and yeah. waving herbs, right? You that's, know, that's the, yeah, that's the perception. People don't realize how how um, skilled you guys are. And that's what I want to get out to people because, I mean, we've booked in Anne for another another conversation because there's a lot to talk about. We're gonna, we want to talk about uh, birth trauma for mums and yeah. uh, why you should take back their pregnancy and how to do it with unnecessary medical or surgical intervention, all things we're going to touch on next time. But that, I think you just brought up there, Anne, is, is a very key point of people thinking that, it's just like a bunch of of almost like hocus pocus nothing you know but it's not it's, you guys are really really well i mean more more t- well trained than than most of the people in the hospital when it comes to it well when it comes to promoting you know not you know normal natural birth and yeah we we can intervene if we need to but you know uh look uh I, um it first of all you know I don't, if I, what we call, you know, if I, you know, you know, the, is it a, a UK phrase to say smell a rat? Cause in the United States we can say, if I, if I smell a rat, if I, if I see that, you know, I'm not liking the way something is happening, for example, like I'm not, I'm not crazy about the, the, the mom's blood pressure going up. And then I see that the baby, you know, um, I, I, let's say had a bowel movement in, 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 so the fluid that the baby, turning the fluid green. Or brown, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the time, that's uh, if the baby has a bowel movement in you in the inside. That's just a uh, it was a momentary time of stress, and that happened before labor, right? But if if, if some things are like if I smell a rat, then I smell another rat, and I smell another rat. You know, I'm not going to wait till this gets to be a crisis yeah. because yeah. now now I'm seeing that this could be a sign. You know, if I'm not liking the the, the direction the baby's heart rate is going, it doesn't you know just like suddenly stop, right? You see signs of distress before it becomes a crisis. So I can have that baby in the hospital, you know, before in 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 way shorter time than it took for me when they called in in my situation. Remember, they called an emergency cesarean, and it was an hour, and still nobody did it. Right? Mm. I delivered vaginally before anyone did it. So so so. You know, if I smell a rat, if I see that there's a problem or there's another problem, I'm going to get that mom and baby to the hospital because that's where it's safest for that mother and baby to to give birth, you know. But my my transfer rate is 7%. That means 93% of women 
are giving birth at home in my practice for over for 20 over 20 years and there you go and that and that's a huge step right and as you said before the hospital was there if you need it like it should be it shouldn't be um in my opinion um well every, every, each to their own but in my opinion it should be something that's used and there if needed but if i uh, i'm not a lady i'm not i'm not a woman <laughs> you're not but, a lady <laughs> but, but i'd say if i did have to give birth or I'll tell you what another i'll give you another example when I've had you could be a dad before, one day. You could yeah. be a dad one day. Yeah, I was right? going to say I'll be a dad one day. But if I was to have surgery, um, and I could have it in my in my bedroom, rather than having to go to the hospital, I'd have it here because I'd feel much more comfortable in my round surroundings right. that I know. Yeah, and that's a huge and that's a huge thing. As people say, like the mind, the mind when it comes to health and feeling relaxed and rest of the body. As right. you said, your body starts going to shock or starts to feel stress in many different ways. And and when you're in a place that's calm, and as as you were. We talk about when we get you on again, Anne. We talk about the vibrational healing. That's once again, it's all energy, right? And when you're in a place where the energy doesn't feel right to you, uh, rather than in a place where you feel relaxed and comfortable, you're going to be a completely different person, you know? Right. And your body's going to function in a different way. It's like the same energy that gets the baby in, the same, you need to be intimate, sensual, quiet, safe, undisturbed. You need to feel that to give birth. Yeah. Just like you have can feel that to be relaxed in in a, you know and to make love. Yeah. So so yeah. Well, it's like in, <laughs> in a healing in a healing environment. What 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 to most most people is a healing environment? Is it, for example, going? I just use I just use this example. Is it going to a spa where they're playing lovely relaxing music? You have got the essential walls. You know, people are speaking very quietly. You can feel the energy; it's very soothing. Or is it going to a hospital that's most nine times out of ten? It's decorated like death. It smells the food or the food that's horrible. Like everyone's walking around in medical gowns. It's very, very. It's like an intimidating place. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't scream health and vitality. It screams disease and death and sickness. And now, for me, hospital is really yeah. It does, and it, and even and even when people are sick, it really um, we're not really healing a lot of you know. It's 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 for a limited. You know, if someone, you know, needs acute trauma intervention or, or you know, needs surgery, but, but the vast majority of conditions were really not healing no, in dignity. Yeah. And that's what we talk now, about um, all the time on the show. So I know you've got to go, Anne, because you've got an appointment. Um, <laughs> so what we do, guys, uh, as I said before, you can find Anne at www.homesweethomebirth. But any questions you've got, because we're going to get Anne back on, I think we're scheduled in for 30 or some time around November, 13th of November, I think it is. Right, 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 right. Um, and we're going to get on to a few of the other things that we mentioned there, all about um, birthing without necessary medical and surgical intervention, uh, mothers taking their birth back, and uh, how to get over birth trauma, etc. So any questions? In the, mean, in, in the meantime, though, like I just wanted to offer your listeners, mm-hmm. um, I have a gift, you know, it's like a free download. Yep. Um, to give, so, so you can have something to take home from this. Yep. So if you go to homesweethomebirth.com forward slash gift, gift. right, you, um, I made a download of my, my favorite 154 resources for women who are, or for women's health, for women who are planning a pregnancy, for women who are pregnant or, or, or birthing, awesome. postpartum, dads siblings, inspiration, and also supplies to bring if you're going to, you know, have a home birth, have a birth center birth, have a hospital birth, you know, so that you can um, start to take back your birth and empower yourself because knowledge is, is power. I mean, we, we, change comes from when we speak up, not we, we need to speak up. 100%. The mom. And you said yeah. the online community of over 70,000 women around the world, guys. So, and those are stuff. Um, so you said before, www.homesweethomebirth.com dot com forward slash gift i'm on it right now and as you said it contains 154 of the best supplies books and movies that she uses personally and professionally with her clients family and friends so that's great and it's been a pleasure um and i'm looking forward to getting you back on and us diving deeper into this topic and any questions and, yeah great meantime, that'd be brilliant awesome thanks so much it was a pleasure ryan no worries i'll speak to you soon and enjoy the rest of your day Take in New care. York. Right, bye-bye you enjoy in london okay bye-bye england 
So guys, that was the first interview of Anne. I hope you enjoyed it. We covered a lot of stuff there. went through her backstory. Very, very interesting about what she says. And I hope you took in some of those statistics there saying that birthplace results showed 88% of planned births at home were normal births compared to fewer than 60% of planned births in the hospital. And as you said there, the things, the techniques they use in the hospital, it's not conducive to having a happy, healthy birth. So we'll be taking that on board and we'll be going into the next interview. As I said before, any questions you've got, send them over and I'll be asking them to Anne and, to, and as we mentioned a couple of times before www.homesweethomebirth.com forward slash gift if you want the 154 techniques that she uses brilliant um, so coming up guys what I'm going to be doing is actually going to be putting out more episodes um, as, as well as the longer episodes which are the interviews of all the, the expert guests we get on. I'm going to be putting out shorter episodes just with myself covering lots of content that I put out on social media anyway but things that come up in the daytime, all the health topics that are out. I'm just going to be putting out um, daily or trying to put out daily podcasts for you guys or at least three to four maybe five episodes a week just covering all different things because i always get asked a lot um why you've been putting this in the podcast and i think well now i might as well do that for you guys start putting out more episodes on the podcast because people are loving the episodes and they like listening in their car as well as on their lunch break etc so so i'm going to be doing shorter episodes in between the longer episodes which will continue to happen the bigger interviews okay guys as always you can follow us on instagram at revive underscore yourself uh, facebook at revive natural health or facebook forward slash revive natural health and we're on youtube our youtube channel just look for revive health uh revive natural health everyone there revive yourself i should say you can subscribe to our channel there and if you would like you can find me on facebook at my personal page which is forward slash ryan martin and always putting out lots of good content on there etc and obviously you can head on over to www.reviveyourself.co where you're going to get lots of great articles as well as our free four-day mini course for anyone with any chronic illness you know you can put them in that direction okay guys so that's it for this episode that's it for this week and well i say this week there should be an episode coming your way probably tomorrow as well episode 37 so until then guys have a good day enjoy yourself stay happy stay healthy and i'll speak to you soon bye bye If you're struggling with gut issues, such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects, then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of The Healing Health Paradigm today.